Alright, uh, welcome back to Duke Basketball Junkies. This is Michael Exta coming to you from Las Vegas. Hey, um, I, uh, we, you know, so today, um, well, I guess I'll start off with six weeks ago, or I don't know, four to six weeks ago, after the Coach K Fantasy Basketball Camp, um, I had a couple of, uh, a couple of friends that I went to school with, uh, my friends Scott and Keith, both both went to the camp, uh, as they've done for a few years now. Um, I asked Keith if he could uh, come on the podcast. Actually, I asked him both, but Scott was a little busy. Keith had the time, luckily, to uh, come on and tell us a little bit about it. So that's what we're going to be hearing today um, after uh, after we go through a few topics. So earlier, um, you know, and, and, and we delayed the putting up the interview into a podcast because you know, we had the NBA draft to cover, and then we had, um, you know, I had some vacation time, I uh, got busy with work, and then we had Matt Jones uh, on the podcast, which was exciting, and uh, so we apologize to Keith for, for kind of bumping him back a little bit, but the talk about the Coach K Fantasy Camp I didn't think was super time sensitive, so uh, I hope you guys don't mind listening to, you know, uh, an interview about that with, um, with my friend Keith. Uh, and he really he tells some stories about uh, you know some of the players that he's had as coaches, what the environment's like. He tells a juicy bit about Coach K, and um, it's uh, I hope it's a good listen. Hope you guys like it. Before we uh, get into that, I figured I'd cover a few topics, some of the some of the stuff we've been uh, talking about and reading about the program lately. Um, Peter, my partner Peter is not here. I apologize. I actually had him in earlier, and we recorded uh, about 20 minutes as an intro to this. Uh, and unfortunately, the the recording uh, basically got garbled. It was probably my fault. You know, it's either me or uh, Bill Gates' fault, but probably mine. And um, <clears throat> so we don't have that. So with apologies to Peter and uh, to everyone who doesn't want to just hear just me, uh, I'm going to try to keep this pretty quick and recap what we talked about. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna just touch on a few things. Uh, we both watched uh, the JJ Redick documentary about uh, his free agency and listened to his new podcast, The Chronicles of Redick. Um, Peter loved it. Uh, I also highly recommend uh, checking it out. JJ had a podcast on the Woj uh, with the Woj on the vertical. Uh, Woj moved to ESPN. Uh, Adrian Woj. Adrian Wojna, whatever, and uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but uh, JJ kind of got busy. He touched on it in the first episode of his new podcast, Got kind of got busy this season and wasn't able to keep it up, but he's uh, starting fresh after his free agency um, with a really, really great episode, and uh, every Duke fan, everybody who likes JJ Reddick should definitely listen to it. It provides a really unique perspective on uh, sort of his life as an NBA player and what, you know, what free agency is really like. Um, and it's not necessarily what you, you might expect it to be. Uh, he has uh, he has Maverick, uh, Maverick Carter on, I think is the name, and he's uh, involved with LeBron. His new podcast is on uh, sort of that network, and the, there's a documentary they produced, which is about 15 minutes long, and you can check it out on YouTube. Uh, if you just put put in J.J. Redick, free agency, or documentary, you'll be able to find it, and that's definitely worth a watch. It's really well done. Um, and he has a really uh, interesting talk with Maverick, 
before he has Brian Colangelo on the podcast, who's the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers and the son of Jerry Colangelo, who uh, was the chairman of USA Basketball and the man who put uh, Coach K in charge of uh, the program. Um, so uh, there's that connection, but really he's on there to talk about uh, you know, signing JJ and that whole process. And their, their conversation was like pretty frank and pretty interesting. So we, we highly recommend listening and, to that and watching the documentary. Uh, and uh, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm personally excited to see JJ on the 76ers, and I'm happy that he, he you know, he talks about having wanted, wanted a multi-year deal, at least three years. That was his goal going into free agency, and the market reality uh, with this year's free agency just wasn't the same as last year where everybody was handing out huge long-term deals. Uh, this year he was faced by a lot of uh, sort of tightening, uh, keeping options open by GMs, and uh, I did, but you know, if you listen to it, you'll find out that he was not at all disappointed by, you know, getting paid $23 million to play one year of basketball for the 76ers and then re-entering free agency next year. So, uh, you know, I'm glad he got some security for his uh, family and um, got some money he deserved and basically got a little overpaid for not having gotten those years uh, that he wanted. Um, so uh, the other... NBA topics we touched on during our talk that you're not going to hear uh, was about Quinn Cook getting released from the Pelicans and that that was disappointing. And um, Peter was pretty surprised that uh, he didn't get picked up right away by another team. I was a little surprised there's been no other news yet, although free agency has slowed down. There's still a few notable ones left, including Mason Plumlee. Uh, Marshall also, I guess, is a free agent. Not sure what's happening with him. He got released by the Knicks. Um, you know, players as notable as Nerlens Noel still isn't signed. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I come, you know, I reassured Peter that uh, just things have slowed down. There's really no rush, I guess. And my guess is a lot of the teams um, sort of uh, are waiting out some of the free agents. Uh, and cap room, there just isn't a lot of cap room. Hopefully Quinn will find a team that to latch on to, maybe get some guaranteed money. Um, you know, we love Quinn and we're we're rooting for him hard. Uh, on the other side of the coin, Kyrie Irving uh, has made all the news lately, and you know by basically demanding a trade, or at least those are the reports, and uh, cutting off communications with the Cavs. Um, it's a little unclear exactly what his motivations are. There's been tons of speculation. Bill Simmons is posting a trade of the day possibility every day with his, you know, trade machine work, and Colin Cowherd's talking about it, you know, a whole bunch, and so is the whole basketball world. It's like the topic. So it's, you know, um, and, uh, you know, Peter, Peter and I had a nice long discussion about it, uh, you guys are probably lucky you don't have to listen to it. <laughs> but at the end of the, the long and short of it was basically that, um, you know, we feel like uh, Kyrie probably uh, sees the writing on the wall with LeBron leaving, that the Cavs have probably too many, too much long-term money committed to older players to feel like rebuilding there is really like a like an optimal thing with LeBron leaving and Kevin Love maybe leaving or 
you know, uh, getting older, uh, there isn't a lot of young talent around Kyrie there, and they may not have the room to, to acquire any. Plus, the GM that he sort of grew up with there, David Griffin, uh, left. Uh, so, uh, you know, those are those are my thoughts. Uh, Peter thought it was kind of a bad look uh, having, you know, and I think a lot of people feel this way. Uh, I mean, competed for a championship and won a championship two years ago, and the Cavs are going to be back with a with a team that's likely to go back to the championship. Uh, it, it seems like uh, kind of bad optics to be forcing a trade out of there uh, to like a possible destination destination like the Knicks, um, and uh, you know, so it's unclear what what the logic is we obviously can't know uh, but you know he's one of our you know he's one of our most famous uh, maybe maybe the best player in the NBA from Duke right this second so and he's got a big future in front of him he's only 25 uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Kyrie that'll make big national news it'll be interesting to see what happens with Quinn Cook and uh, Mason Plumley as well um, and Marshall uh, I guess it was a kind of a tough summer for the for the Plumleys. Um, I think it's a tough it's a tough time for for NBA bigs in general. Uh, there's like an oversaturation of uh, of bigs because there there just seems to be less minutes for pure centers and uh, you know than there used to be on on, on NBA courts. The strategy is the optimal strategy has changed uh, more you know recently. Um, so those are the topics we hit. The other uh, topic we, we brought up is, uh, if you guys haven't heard, Marvin Bagley, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, is, um, is the number one player in the junior high school class. He was going to be a senior, and the reports are he may reclassify uh, to, you know, he has enough credits, I guess, to academically uh, graduate and be eligible for uh, this coming basketball season. Um, and he'll be a game changer for some program. Um, he took an official visit to Duke last week. Uh, it's sort of coincident with the timing of those reports. Um, and that's the buzz. Uh, he's also interested in visiting U- uh, USC in Arizona. Um, and we don't, we don't know, but it's a rumor. You know, I guess the speculation is that Duke's a favorite if he, if he reclassifies or even he's a favorite for coming next year, even if even if he doesn't. Either way, we'd be lucky to have him. He's quite the prospect. Um, you know, we when we spoke about it earlier, which you're not hearing, uh, we both sort of agreed that you know we could use all the help we could get, uh, all the high level talent like this that we can get, given sort of our shallow. Um, you know, the shallow nature of our roster heading into the next year. It's going to make us even younger, though, and give us a, another big, and it seems like it might, you know, might also be a little problematic. Uh, I imagine Bolden, you know, wouldn't be super happy about it if, you know, he's got to come off the bench again or take a, you know, severely, like a more limited role. But um, So we'll see what happens there. Um, it'll be interesting to talk about if, 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 if Bagley does reclassify and commit to Duke. Uh, it's definitely going to change. You know, he's going to be one of the, the main points of the conversation next year. Uh, maybe the biggest star on the team. Um, and we, we have all these loaded, you know, we have all these recruits coming in. So so that's interesting. Uh, another guy, R.J. Barrett, I think his name is, from 
Canada, who's like the number two player in that class, did declare he's reclassifying and like has a list of schools. Duke is on it, but I don't know if we're supposed to be the favorite there to to possibly get him. He's more of a it's more of a like a swing man, um, you know, like a I think he's a three or four. Um, <clears throat> and we have, we have we have some guys at those positions too, but obviously either one of those guys would be you know, would be a big, big plus, uh, at least for next year. They're likely one-and-done guys. And um, some of the analysts that I read and follow on Twitter, uh, you know, pointed out that these would be the number one and two uh, NBA prospects out of the whole class, regardless of the fact that they're juniors. They would kind of become, you know, surefire top five prospects, although – you know, we all know how that goes. Harry Giles was supposed to be number one last year. Uh, complicated by the injury, of course. But um, anyhow, uh, wanted to mention that. Wanted to mention each of those things uh, before sending it over to the uh, the audio of uh, my interview with Keith, my talk with my old friend who is possibly, I guess, probably even a bigger Duke basketball junkie than uh, than me and Peter. Um we used to go to games together. We camped out together. We uh, we put the, the the face paint on. Although I wasn't big on face paint, you know, at least a few times we did that together. Keith Keith's a really great guy, um, very successful, uh, very intelligent, and uh, very enthusiastic about the program. So uh, without further ado, here comes that interview. It's going to be about I think it's about thirty minutes, and. Um, I'll check in after the interview. Keith, are you on the line? Yeah, hey, Mike, I'm here. All right, how you doing, bud? I'm good. Uh, tired, <laughs> sore. You know, it's a pretty intense five days, and you train your ass off to get ready for it, and then after it's over, it kind of come crashing down. So this is like the recovery week. Okay. The, can you? I don't think everybody who's listening knows what what it is, what it's sure. called, what it's all about. Can you give me like the the three or four minute? Uh, well. Give me whatever introductory information <laughs> you think people sure. need to know about this to understand what, what we're even talking about. Sure, sure. So um, it's called the K Academy for Coach K. And, uh, you know, objectively by the numbers, um, they take 80 guys who want to play. So 80 campers. you got to be over 35. Uh, and it costs 10K to go. And this is the 15th year they've been doing it. And they've kept the price the same. Uh, all 15 years and that money just goes to run the camp and then uh, the rest is a direct donation to Duke Athletics so basically you know it's not a it's not a profit generating entity for coach or anybody else I mean they kind of do it for the love and um, they take those 80 guys and put you into uh, 8 teams of 10 and then you're coached by the current assistant coaches and former Duke players and coaches uh, for you know five days. So you get there on Wednesday. Uh, they make the teams Wednesday night, Thursday and Friday. You're practicing, playing games. Uh, you get four games over those two days. Saturday, you get one more game, and then on Sunday is the championship tournament. So you got to win three games. Uh, in a row, okay. uh, you know, out of eight teams to, to win it all. So um, they they typically get you know upwards of 
been able to incorporate the current players on the roster um, and incoming freshmen to to be uh, assistant coaches on the teams, which has been awesome. And they typically get about 20 former players and coaches to come back. So you're talking about around 30 30 Duke players, former players, assistant coaches all together. So it's kind of a reunion for them too. Um, okay. I mean, not kind of. I mean, a big time is so. So this yeah, is this is at this is at Duke, right? Oh yeah. Obviously. So this is at you. Everything's in Cameron in the practice facility. You know, you've got you're in the bubble. I, I like to say. I mean, you're really living. It's truly a fantasy for those five days. Like the training staff keeps everybody taped together and upright. You know, uh, Coach K is there. He's watching all the time. Um, you know, it's it's uh, there's a lot of layers to it. It's, it's competitive basketball playing element obviously um, you know you're playing real games with referees scoreboard clock uh, all that stuff um, there's bonding you know you make friendships there that uh, transcend you know those five days there's guys I've met there I keep in touch with all the time you know when you go to a city to see Duke play uh, you can you know get in touch with guys you you know from camp and instantly you've got a group it sounds, um, sounds awesome yeah it is. It's it's pretty remarkable. It's it's kind of like it's in my fifth year going. Um, so like right. I was and you're forty. So you've done it every possible year you could do it. Just about. I missed one year when uh, I was moving my family. <laughs> so I had to prioritize that. All right, man. Uh, so <laughs> so they do it just one week a year. So you have one chance a year to do this. It it sells out, I guess. Um, of the five years I've been there, it's been sold out three times. This year was a little less than 80, a little fewer than 80. It was like 72, 73 guys. Okay. Who are, um, the, who are the people that do it? Is it all Duke alums or just big Duke so Surprisingly, fans? it's not. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, you know, as you introduced me so kindly, uh, you know, I'm a hardcore alum fan, you know, died in the wall, all that stuff. I'd say of the, you know, if there's 80 guys there, I'd say probably 50% are alums and the rest. You know, uh, love hoops, love Coach K, what he stands for, or you know, fans of the program in general. Um, and there's, you know, there there are other fantasy camps out there, like uh, uh, Cal does one, Bill Self does one. Syracuse has done one in the past. I don't know if they they're still doing one. Okay, this is something um, and a lot of the guys do. Some of the guys I play with at the Duke camp, they'll they'll hit all those in one summer. Like they're like junkies for fantasy camp. Gotcha. So there's fantasy camp junkies. There's there's Duke alums, there's just big Duke fans, there's big Coach K yeah. fans, and yeah. uh, you get enmeshed, you're, you're in Cameron. You get to go in the locker rooms? Are you in the locker rooms, like, getting ready for the game, or you're somewhere right. else? That kind so of there, stuff? There's, there, you briefly get to uh, uh, go in the locker room. We actually get a 30-minute um, film session. That's kind of like how they do the film at halftime or pregame. Um, so, yeah, you get that. But, I mean... Um, but yeah, you pretty much have to run the place. Um, yeah, other than obviously like offices and stuff like that. But you're in Cameron, okay. And uh, yeah, everything's taken care of. So how many? How many of these? Uh, <clears throat> so who's your coach this year? Who's the coach of your team? My coach this year um, was Gene Banks, the legendary Gene Banks. Gene Banks yeah, from he, Philadelphia. Yeah, co- yeah, that's right, baby. Philadelphia playground and legend. He's he, number, uh, up he's in been a coach every year I've been there. He loves it. He's super passionate. Uh, very genuine uh, about it. The guy's amazing. He does all kinds of great nonprofit work and coaching work and everything else. So yeah, so Gene Banks is my coach. He's assisted by uh, Sean Dockery, Reggie Love, 
<laughs> and um, and Brendan Besser off the current team. So he's one of the, one of the he's like an invited invited walk on guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was our staff this year. Cool. Did you did you get to talk to the the assistants much? Uh, oh yeah, I mean, I mean, it's are you very, asking Sean Dockery yeah. questions about like oh, when yeah. he was a player and Reggie Love about Obama? Yeah, all that stuff, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's pretty intensive bonding, and those guys want to win. I mean, so it may sound corny that they're you know yelling at a bunch of middle aged dudes to set better picks and move the rock and all that stuff, but they want to win. They want to beat the other coaches. The basketball's uh, taken seriously. Yeah, yeah. So, so you get to, you know, you do get to bond with the coaches quite a bit too. And there's dinners every night. You know, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities to socialize. And you might, you know, this. I don't know if your listeners do, but I mean, there's you're staying at the Washington Duke Inn, which is a hotel on campus, and uh, all the coaches are staying there too, and everything. So I mean, you're kind of all, you're all in it together for the whole time. Yeah, and it's not that many people really. I mean, it sounds like it's about 100, 110 people total. Right. So. You can't help but get to know people. Probably, uh, do you feel like you actually know? Like, I mean, I want you to run down all your coaches from the five years you've gone. And, <laughs> and I'm curious to know, like, how close you yeah. did you? Are you actually friends with these guys at all now, or do you have yeah. like a texting relationship with any of them? Or like, are you, sure. do you have? Do you feel like you really have insider access? Is it more like they let you in for four or five days and then see you later? We got our lives to get back to, and like, don't yeah. don't call us asking about recruits. Or like, you know, <laughs> why we aren't playing more zone, you know, zone defense. <laughs> right, right. So I would say, so um, my first year going, my coach was Christian Leitner, and wow. I haven't, he hasn't, he has not been back since. Um, I think he's on good terms with Duke, but I think he's got you know other stuff going on. Uh, and he assembled like a handpicked staff of early '90s greats. There was like Marty Clark and Greg Kubek and Clay Buckner and uh, Al Albanabi. Uh, where the where our coaches wow. very cool uh, so let me stop yeah, you right there cool. I'll ask you about each year <laughs> did you get any information about those great teams what did you what did you learn about them uh, I'm curious to know like was was yeah. Leitner that competitive uh, as a coach uh, was he ruthless coach, or did he care he, did, no. he was he was very uh, cerebral you know, he I kind of expected a little more yelling and screaming but he was he was pretty laid back kind of like you know, this is the way to do it, and if you don't do it right, then, you know, I'm not going to teach you to do it right in five days, but if you want to win, this is how to do it, right? Okay. And, uh, and not a lot of yelling and screaming, um, and like I said, he kind of handpicked the, the group, so he was obviously you know, pretty um, pretty happy to be there, be reunited with his buds, um, and he even in that in that, you know, constellation of, of these guys who are all large human beings and you know you grew up I grew up admiring them and stuff I mean he definitely has a star power that, that would set him apart no doubt about it he owns, um, still owns the place what's that he still owns the place when he's there yeah exactly so did you learn anything about uh, you know anything uh, about their camaraderie or their teams uh, any inside baseball stories from those guys that you um, I, I guess just that you know I mean but, but I remember, um, it's bad to say, like, you know, five years, it feels like a long time, but, um, you know, they, uh, uh, he and Kubek, I want to say, both are from the same part of New York State, or they, they at least played against each other uh, in some circuit high school, and at 
you know, like uh, uh, a recruit of equal you know, magnitude as Leitner. Uh, I think he, so he carried a certain competitive zeal with him to Duke, mm-hmm. um, for example. Um, I didn't get, a, you know, I didn't get a lot of inside right. on on those early '90s teams. Um, I would say that, um, you know, you got to put in perspective for them too. Like for example, Allah and Christian, right? Yeah, they played four. They played four years at Duke, but then they played twelve years in the NBA. Sure. Um, and they played internationally on national teams, whatever. So, what you get a lot in the in the basketball sense from those guys, especially in a camp setting like that, is. You know, when you run ISO plays or they talk about, you know, what they want us to do when they get out there, it's like, hey, guys in the NBA do this. You know what I mean? Like, the best in the world know that, you know, you want to, uh, you know, always be aggressive, you know, get to the line, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's not a lot of Princeton backdoor shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just kind of like, yeah, get the best players, get the best players into you know, situations that are high leverage and have an advantage and the other guys play off of the best players. Okay. And uh, so <clears throat> if you ran into Ala Abdul Nabi uh, on yeah. the street tonight, would he recognize you? Oh yeah. I mean I've I've texted Allah and I'll shout at him at Twitter on occasion as well. So he's he's one of the most uh, you know, genuine, friendly dudes you'll meet at this thing. He's he's amazing. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. so yeah, if you if you're at a Duke game in New York and Team where you go to a Sixers game, you know, shout at him at the announcer table. I mean, he absolutely uh, he'll remember everybody. Awesome. Uh, okay, so who are your other coaches? Uh, and I guess yeah. So then, 2014, uh, it was supposed to be Jay Williams, um, but he bailed at the last minute. He had some other opportunity. I think it was like Entertainment Tonight or something like that. So uh, Ricky Price, who was going to be an assistant. Uh, stepped up and took the reins. What is Ricky? He, what is Ricky Price doing these days? Ricky is the man. So, if, uh, so let me first say, uh, I love you, Ricky. Um, I know I drive you crazy because he's coached me twice. Um, so Ricky lives in Charlotte, and I think he he does a lot of coaching, like a lot of like high level high school guys, you know, getting them ready for college, getting guys ready for draft or other opportunities. Uh, and and Ricky is an awesome coach. So. Our team was awful, um, but we were always in position to score. I mean, he can really coach you, uh, coach a group up, uh, using space, you know, cuts, uh, moving the ball, and can always get good shots. So, shout out to Ricky. Uh, he's there at K Academy all the years I've been there. That's cool. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to learn how to run UCLA <laughs> cut um, offense and, and get excellent good looks from the elbow for your best shooter call Ricky Price I'm, I'm more interested rather than his, about his coach it's great that he's a good coach he's, he's making a living doing that stuff yeah. and I'm, I'm actually a little surprised I mean have, I don't know if you've listened to a lot of our, our podcasts but um, you know, Ricky Price has come up a couple times and he, yeah. he, we were all his year we were all 98 right, guys right. You and, I, uh, yeah. and Ricky Price started off with such a high trajectory in his Duke career and then right ended up being a bit of a, a letdown. Uh, I mean, not that he had a bad career, but, you know, I don't even, I, I think he didn't even start for maybe parts of his junior and senior years. Uh, right. We, did, you, did you ever, were you able to talk to him about any of that or get a sense for what happened? Or, like, did it affect his feelings about the program? Obviously, I would have thought it might have, but you're telling me he's there all the time, so. Yeah, so like, I guess I'll make a, a micro point, a macro point. Um, okay. So don't let me, don't let me 
lose track of the second part. So, yeah, I think what, what you hear from, from Rick is that he made, you know, some poor choices um, during the college years, but that Coach K and the program were there for him. And I think he, uh, you know, he, I don't want to, you know, speak for him, but I think he has good perspective on, on those college years. And, that, um, you know, he had a couple shots to play professionally. Um, you know, could he have, you know, he'll, he'll talk to you about, you know, yeah, he could have been in the NBA, but um, it didn't work out. And, but he still makes a living through basketball. And I think he's played professionally in other, uh, other avenues along the way. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, it's more, you know, that sort of, you know, mind your P's and Q's to maximize your potential is kind of the, the mantra I think you get. So um, looking back, pretty, he, would, he would tell us, he would so, just say ahead. he was immature uh, yeah. for part of his due career and it, it, he, no pun intended, he paid some kind of price on the court uh, or, right. you know, with how he was treated, you know, in terms of playing time and yeah, I think, I mean, her, I think he had like an academic thing at some point and he had to yeah. sit out. <clears throat> I think uh, I remember that too. I know yeah. he had an injury. He had an injury as well at some yeah. point, uh, like a significant injury. <clears throat> um, okay, well, that's so interesting. The, so I guess the, the macro point I wanted to make, Mike, yeah. is, you know, so um, yeah, I've been you know, struck by and, and impressed by a number of guys who've been there that maybe would not have um, assumed they, that they would want to, right? So Sean Dockery, yeah, like um, I mentioned, uh, but, you know, Will Avery. Uh, was there one year, and I, I believe it was the first time he'd been back to Duke uh, in many years, and you know was embraced warmly, and you know uh, was in was certainly uh, into the camp for the time he was there. Um, Shavlik Randolph uh, has come back multiple times. He's one of my coaches one of the years. Um, you know, seems to be on very very good terms with Duke. I saw Marty well. Marty Poshis was was there. Yeah, this Marty year. Poshis was there this year, part of the uh, championship winning staff. And I always assumed uh, that Marty Poshis would be kind of bitter because he never got any playing time. And then he, but he did go on in this international career. Uh, yeah. I always look at that as maybe uh, a bit of an indictment on uh, sort of the the system. You know that they, mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't get use and production out of him when he was at, mm-hmm. at the school. Uh, how do you feel yeah. about it? What do you what do you think now having seen him? <laughs> I'm curious I mean, to know it, what your opinions are a little, too. I don't want to just project I mean, mine on yours. You know, I don't know if I have any special insight, but I think it's – let's just put it this way. I mean, I would assume, like, you know, Coach, at this point especially, like, he doesn't make promises to these guys or their families, and nor does he have to in order to get the recruits, right? Yeah, sure, so I think sure. they know going in it's a pretty Darwinian environment, and um, – you know, coach is going to prioritize what he chooses to within a given season. I would agree with you. You know, my observation is that would tend to be a shorter bench, focusing on winning now. Um, and is that to the detriment of player development? I mean, we can debate that all day. Um, but I think that the, to try to put a bow on it, a guy like Marty Postes, you know, I mean, if you don't have to take that personally, right? So if it doesn't work out for you and you seek another opportunity elsewhere it's possible to do that and and not you know and leave on good terms uh, as he obviously has so you know would that be the case for you know a Chase Jeter or Semi Ojale Mike Benjay I mean you know it's it's all case by case with the individual I think 
that makes sense. And, and I understand, like, Marty Post just had a, probably a very competitive three or four years in practice where he learned that he wasn't all that. And maybe that that's the thing that propels him on to be the hard worker that ends up upping his game and becoming the player he became internationally in Europe. Um, and, you know, I, I it just seems quite... And, you know, the guys who transferred that had success, like Benajay and Ojolet, they too maybe you know, use it either as motivation or they get into that next environment and they want to succeed in the way the other guys succeeded sort of at their own disadvantage. Right. Um, yeah. So it's like they just see it as like everybody enters the gauntlet and whoever comes out on top comes out on top. The other guys, it's not personal. And, you know, uh, you, that's the feeling you kind of have. This Afterwards, it's like, well, that was just a time in our lives and, we went on to have right. these fuller, richer lives, but for us, the fans, I only remember those four years. It's all, it's the only relevance they have to my existence. Right, right, right. right. And then you see a guy, you know, you see uh, star in another venue, like, holy shit, why, didn't, why couldn't that have happened at Duke, right? Yeah, and, Ojale is going to be yeah. a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, that said, was, was there any talk this year about all the people leaving, the transfers? all the different ways people were leaving and sort of was there any scuttlebutt uh, or is it just everybody's not fo- nobody's nobody's kind of talking about any of that stuff because it wouldn't be kosher more of the latter I'd say I mean I think you know last year for example um, there was a there was a pretty palpable buzz about the group they had coming back and coming in you know and they kind of were embracing that they had a lot of the guys on campus already so uh, I just point out to, to give you a little compare contrast, right? So last year, Tatum and Giles uh, were already there uh, on campus um, at the time of K Academy. I don't think Frank Jackson was, mm-hmm. and I don't think Mark Weiss was either. Uh, and Tatum played in the pickup games uh, last summer. Giles did not, obviously. Um, but, I mean, there was, a, there was a lot of buzz and, like, hey, we're going to be pretty good next year. Uh, this year is more of a... Uh, you get the, the feeling of we can't wait to get to know these guys. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what we have yet. Um, we're we're you know, going to look to Grayson and um, the other returning guys to, to help them get acclimated and, and understand you know how we practice, how we how we uh, comport ourselves as a program, etc. Um, but really, not any discussion you know that I'm part of, at least that addresses. The transfers are NBA guys. I mean, I think you know, as far as the NBA guys go, I I, I would say it's pretty much four for four, uh, at least on social media. You know, with the official outlets of the program uh, did have and continue to give their sort of you know endorsement and blessing. And, yeah, I mean, these days yeah, that, that, these that's guys. that's kind of what right. they're doing, right? Um, yeah, it would be yeah. pretty. It would be a pretty bad look if they didn't. Right, you know? but I mean, they don't have to do anything. <clears throat> Either, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're they're so. they're playing. They're being supportive, and I think yeah. they, they have to be. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was were any of the players around? Were any of the current players? Uh, it's a little earlier. It's like you went. It was just the first week of June, so I wouldn't yeah. expect any of the new guys to be there yet. Was it later Another, last summer or? Right. So again, in this in the one and done era, what over my five years of going to this thing, you know, take your voice word, they get some of the freshmen on campus now in 
same time for this. I so see. to indoctrinate uh, them in the culture. Yeah, and you know if they're done with high school already, then they can get them enrolled in the first summer session, basically, mm-hmm. um, and get them on campus as, as right away. And all the returning players, they they enroll for both summer sessions unless they have you know some other commitment, basically. So so um, Grace Allen was around, Marquise was around, for example, um, and like I said, Brendan Besser was one of my coaches from my squad and. Uh, Justin Robinson was around um, all week, um, and you know several of the, the new guys were there. O'Connell, um, uh, Goldsmith, and Tucker were already there. The three guys out of Georgia because they're done with high school already. So, were you able to watch these guys play? I think you told me you had seen some. Yeah, a little games. bit. Yeah. Do you think yeah. any of those three guys you just mentioned—they're all more of the, the fringe kind of candidates for playing time next year? Do you think any of them are going to um, have a significant? I role? mean, I'm no I'm no expert by any stretch. I mean, I think I would ascribe to the conventional wisdom. I mean, I think Tucker will play. Um, I, I, I share everything. Like he's taller than you know I would have expected. I mean, he's, he's um, if he's playing the two, he's a very tall two. Uh, college level, so I think they'll find a way to get him and his shooting on the floor. Um, uh, I think O'Connell and, and Goldsmith, um, highly, highly skilled, obviously, uh, but physically they're going to probably need a little adjusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're going to get serious minutes or not, and then the, the three, you know, stud incoming guys, Duvall, uh, Trent, and Carter, they were not there, so can't can't speculate on them. I will say, Javon um, uh, Delorier looked great. I mean, he, he um, just, you know, confidence and um, assertiveness, everything. Uh, he's, you know, he could make a big jump. That's great to hear. Years. Peter is going to be very, very excited about that. I mean, he looked yeah. like such an athlete, just a raw athlete. Um, did he, did he, he was coaching, uh, being an assistant coach, and he was real involved. And was, um, also, is Bolden playing? Was How did Bolden look? So Bolden was, was around and he was um, assistant coaching. Neither he nor Grayson played any pickup. But uh, Bolden, um, I think he's dropped quite a bit of weight. Looks fantastic. That's great. Um, That's great news. So yeah, yeah. So it's again the very, you know, what what Mike and your my era was expected, which is you stick around and you make a huge jump freshman sophomore year, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, talk about all these guys who transfer now. It's kind of like. You know, it's it's a different era. Like they, they don't seem to be willing to wait for that. But these two guys, they've got a chance to get a lot of minutes and be featured. Yeah, Bolden and Delaria. Did you? Yeah. Uh, we we were speculating about Bolden all year, kind of how you know, like it, it felt like you watched the uh, the Miami home game that I felt like he he started in the second half. He helped turn it around. Yeah. Um, and then after that, he kind of went back to the bench and didn't didn't make too much of a dent the rest of the year uh, that kind of thing you don't get a feel for when you're at, at the fantasy camp people aren't focused on that no, right? No, right. <laughs> and I'm curious to know what your impressions were from this crazy year uh, we have a couple, like a couple minutes left do you do you want to kind of speak on sort of how the year was for you what your going away thoughts were you know was it disappointing for you was it just exciting and yeah how, did, how do you how do you kind of put a cap on the year um, I don't yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, just kind of one of those missed opportunities more than anything. Um, you know, the four days in New York winning the ACC tournament and, and the way they did it and how they played, you know, certainly kind of validate the expectations 
South Carolina also no. played out of their mind. They played great basketball, and we ran oh, into yeah. a team yeah. playing great yeah. basketball, which is which is unlucky, somewhat unlucky, but not any kind of excuse really. Um, right. It's just it's sort of like you played your you played your lead eight game in the second round, you know, and, and that team the team was good enough to win that game. Yeah. Um, but they, they didn't, and so it's it's kind of just a, a year of missed opportunity, um, and you know what can you say? Um, but you. There's always what ifs and, and shouldas and couldas, but um, I think this the, the expectations will be obviously much different this year, um, and they may end up finishing you know farther in the NCAA tournament, for example, than than this last group did. Does that mean you know they're a better team in yes. a one game scenario? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, ultimately, I was mostly disappointed that we just we didn't get really any, like much of Giles. We didn't get to see a. Yeah. Like some of the potential things I was excited about for the year never came to fruition. We did get a whole like some really premium Jason Tatum, and Grayson Allen did end up coming back and playing well. So I thought that was yeah. a pretty important uh, thing that happened going into this year, especially. Last question for yeah. you: You mentioned something about Coach K having a little pep in his step. How how many years? How many years do you think Coach K is going to be at Duke? And uh, <laughs> tell me that little story about the free throws. Yeah, it's like that. Like a, a short video. I mean, the coach, uh, you know, he had the two surgeries at least last summer, plus the back surgery during the year. Um, and so he just seems to be recovered from all that healthier now. So one morning at camp, you know, everybody's kind of uh, shooting around in camera and getting ready for the day. And he comes out, grabs the ball, and starts shooting free throws in the middle of all the campers, which is not something that you, know, you see too often. So, uh, you know, I think he told the local media too, he feels great. Um, seems to have a little bit more of a pep in his step. And, uh, you know, as far as how long he'll be at Duke, I mean, as long as he wants to do, as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, you know, I, I think given... Well, how long uh, is he going to coach? Or the level of machine recruiting <laughs> yeah. and everything else, I'd say at least five years. I mean, wow, I'll, you think I'd five think years? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, you think, who do you think the next coach is? You think it's Capel? Uh, I think, I mean, Jeff Capel, yeah. I is think that, it, is that he could have left by now for other opportunities. If you pulled the thirty, you know, all the assistant coaches, would they all? Do you think they'd all say that? Uh, probably, but you know, five years ago they might have said before he came back they might have said, "Well, Joe or Colin," you know. Yeah. But things change; you never know. Never know. Um, but uh, right now, I mean, yeah, and deservedly so. You know, he's been a head coach and he's been an ace recruiter for us, uh, putting together that fifteen championship team too. Certainly. Have you gotten to talk to him at all over the five years? Uh, just a little bit here and there. He's not been a coach of mine, so I uh, haven't really had the opportunity to, to get to know him any better. Although, I don't know if you recall, Mike, but, you know, he was occasionally in car gym when we were undergrads for pickup games. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he was in my uh, Dean Wilson uh, History 91 class. I think it was there you go. <laughs> his American History class. I, he had a couple of the guys he was in there. He was there every time. I missed a lot of classes, but uh, Mr. Capel did not. Uh, well, I, I, know you, go. I know you got to go. 
Awesome to yeah. talk to you. Uh, maybe this coming year we can we can have you check in and do a little more analysis from us. It sounds like you know what you're talking about, unlike us. All right. All right, brother. <laughs> All right, you man. got it. Thanks, Keith. Take care. Later. All right, so there you go. That was uh, that was my talk with Keith. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, actually, would have liked to have asked him about a few more things, about more of the players, get some more stories. Uh, it was really interesting. His, his Ricky Price anecdote um, was really interesting. And, in fact, it spurred me to, to try to reach out to Ricky and, um, you know, see if he might want to come on the podcast. Uh, Ricky came in. Uh, as a freshman with Peter and I and Keith as well, uh, 94, along with uh, Wojo and Trajan Langdon, three McDonald's All-Americans. And Ricky had a pretty interesting Duke career. Um, and uh, I reached out to him. He, he got back to me really fast. Uh, he was really gracious. And we ended up having a, a terrific talk. We, we recorded that earlier today as well. Luckily, that one I didn't I didn't mess up. We have... Uh, the the interview and it's you know it's a full hour uh, and you know the candor with which he spoke and the you know the information he the analysis about the program the analysis of his career sort of the lessons he learned um, talking about the highs and the lows and insight into sort of what it was like when Coach K um, had to had to give up on his freshman season and turn it over to the other coaches, what happened there, um, and sort of what happened towards the end of his career and um, you know, how he looks at it all these days. His perspective is really great, and um, he tells some, some stories that, uh, that we were lucky to have heard and we're really excited to share it with you. It's going to take me a little bit to edit that interview, so we're going to drop this podcast today, and um, I think... Early next week, uh, you can look for the the Ricky Price episode. Um, So thanks for listening, as always. Uh, This has been the Duke Basketball Junkies. Uh, Go Duke. Uh, If you uh, care to, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. That's where you can subscribe to us. And uh, please share it with, uh, you know, other friends, other Duke fans, uh, fellow alumni, if you're an alumnist. Uh, We uh, can use all the support we can get. We love hearing from you guys. Duke Basketball Junkies at gmail.com. Um, you know, keep the questions and the feedback coming. We really do appreciate it. Uh, over and out for now. And uh, yes, P- Peter will be on the next uh, podcast. And again, I apologize for the technical snafu. Hopefully, you didn't mind having to hang out with just me today. Um, have a great one, guys. 